couple weeks, um, we've been kind of looking at this, okay, if we accept and believe that Jesus is Savior, that he's Messiah, um, then how do we respond like to this news? So uh, we looked in Acts chapter 2, two weeks ago, where Peter addresses this crowd of thousands of people, um, and they're kind of asking the same question, and he says, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So that week we talked about repentance, and repentance being the actions that we take to turn from our old way of living, and then turn to God's ways, and the way that God would have us live. And then last week we talked about baptism and baptism being a response um, that we physically take, um, both to show God, to show others, and even just as a pillar, like as a, um, as, as a moment in our own lives to say, yeah, I am all in with Jesus. I compared it to an engagement ring, right? Um, or, or proposing to someone that saying that I'm committed to you now because I know one day we will be fully like joined together, right? And that that's kind of the picture that baptism is with us. In God, so we're diving into that last um, section that that Peter talked about. Receive the Holy Spirit, and we're actually going to be in this for three weeks um, in a row because, for one, there's so much that we could cover uh, that we could probably be in in this for a year, like if we chose to be. Three weeks, like barely does it justice, like whatsoever. Um, there's so many passages, so many places, as we'll see some of them tonight, uh, that it really emphasizes who the Holy Spirit is, like what he does and, and what, how he impacts our walk with Jesus. Um, so next week, Mickey, uh, he's going to be sharing with us and unpacking kind of God's plan um, from the start of the Bible towards the end of how God has always um, had it in his plan for us to have his Holy Spirit. So pray for Mickey, because that's a lot of ground to cover. Um, But he's going to do that. And then in two weeks, Andrew Hurst, he's going to be sharing with us about what does day-to-day life, like walking with, having God's Spirit look like? Like, how do we live into this? Um, But tonight, we're going to look at two questions. Uh, And and even like tonight, I can only kind of scratch the surface, right? Like, there's just not... I don't want to keep you here, you guys here for a week. So um, we're going to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit, right? Which is not a bad question. If you, if even as I've been talking, you're like, I have no idea what Matt's talking about. That is totally okay. And I was in that same place when I was in high school, but I just pretended that I knew. Um, so we're going to say, who, who is he? Um, and then what does he do? Like, why is he important to us? So before we dive in, I'm going to pray. Um, and we're in our small groups because throughout this time, there's going to be some discussion as well. So as I pray, I'm going to actually, and maybe you've heard me do this before, I, I usually ask for the Holy Spirit's help um, to give me words, um, but also to, to be moving in your guys' hearts. So as I pray, would you pray that with me, that, that if, if God doesn't show up in this space and in this place, if God's not the one moving in our hearts um, to, to bring us closer to himself, for our hearts to change, to turn from our ways to his ways, we're, we're out of luck. So if while I pray, you guys would pray that with me. Um, that would be great. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are so good to be with us. And we sing about you in songs, and um, sometimes we pray, asking you for help. Uh, And we need that tonight uh, as we talk about you. We want to know more who you are. And I know you can do that through what I say, and you can do that through Scripture. 
uh, but more so, I, I ask that you would reveal yourself to these students and staff and to myself so that we know in our heart of hearts that you're with us and, and who you are and how we respond to you. Would you give me words that are helpful, um, words that are even for just one person in this room? Because uh, I have no idea where everybody's at, but you do. Um, so would you help me to speak rightly about you, uh, to give you glory, um, and help this group learn more about who you are, your name, amen. So um, as we have questions in these small groups, um, I wanted to give you a little preface with it. So there's not really, when I ask a question for you guys to discuss, there won't necessarily be an answer that I'm trying to get at or that even your your staff members are trying to get you um, to, to realize all of a sudden. But kind of as we bring up these questions, it's kind of for us to be able to verbalize, like, what do we think about God or what do we think about the Holy Spirit? Just kind of addressing and realizing, well, this is what I've always thought or this is what I, I have no idea about. Like, I, I don't know, like, this part about God. So we're not looking for an answer in these. Just want to make sure that's clear. But just like... If you've heard about the Holy Spirit before, what have you heard about him? Like those kind of things. So totally take right answers out of the ball game altogether. Just what have you heard? Um, and then more towards the end, hopefully we come to a place where we're all more on the, the same page um, with who the Holy Spirit is. And we've all been able to kind of challenge what we once believed or what we've believed and either say, wow, like I've really grown in, in um, who I know him to be or wow, like that really affirms like what I've believed about God in that way. Does that make sense? Everybody good to go with that? So um, in uh, all of this, there's still so much mystery, right? Um, even as we talk about God, um, there's so much that we don't know because we try to understand it by comparing him to things that, that we can see or that we understand. And so there's going to be this tension as we talk this week, the next week, the week after of like, there's some things that we've got to just trust God and who he says he is. You don't have to trust me, but when we look at scripture and God talks about himself in these ways, like there's going to be some of this tension where we can't fully wrap our minds around it um, and we'll just have to trust uh, God, which is hard. Like, that takes me uh, a long time. It's taken me years to get to some of those places to trust God and what he says about himself. So that being said, in your small groups, they sh uh, your leaders should all have um, the, the sheets of paper. Talk about the first question on there. Um, and then after you wrap up that first question, also talk about that second one. Uh, we'll give you probably like five, ten, no, probably more like ten minutes in your groups to be able to do that. So talk about those. I'll kind of be like listening for when it seems like everybody's kind of done talking about that. So treat this like small group time. Just go for it. In your groups, we were talking a bit about the Trinity. Uh, and, and the Trinity is, um, is always what we have to bring up when we start talking about any part of God. If we start talking about the Father or if we start talking about the Son or the Holy Spirit, like it ultimately brings up like, okay, we have to bring up the Trinity, which is which is this word that actually isn't even in the Bible. Um, like if we tried to find it, we couldn't um, in Scripture, but it's this word that's used to talk about how God, one being, is three beings in one being, which is this crazy concept because there's nothing else like 
God in all creation in that way. Some people have like tried to compare him to like an egg, right? That they, oh, there's a shell and a yolk and, and the white. Well, God is, is not like an egg, right? He, he's a lot better than eggs. Uh, I have them every day. Um, uh, and, and sometimes try to compare God even to us. Like, okay, well, we have like mind and, and spirit and, and, and flesh. And it's like, well, but like my mind's one thing and my, my flesh is, is another thing, but it's not like my like they're they're their own like entities right their own beings like with inside me and so god is 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 the only one um that is this being of three in one um uh an author wrote it as um it's one god manifested or another word for that is like demonstrated or made known in three persons none of those persons are above or below the other right um but instead each knows and loves the other beings, like with inside God. So there's this crazy picture that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit like have relationship with each other. Like they're friends. They care for each other. They love each other. They know each other. Um, and they're always, as we're going to look um, uh, further, they're always in a constant state of perfect relationship. So how do we know this is true, right? How, if, if Trinity isn't a word used in the Bible, like, how do we know that there's three beings in this one God being, especially when we see, like, the word God used all throughout the Bible or the word Lord or Savior, stuff like that? How do we know that there's three in one? So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's a really good spot to start. Chapter 1, verse 1. If you're in the back of the Bible, you're just a little ways away. All right. So chapter 1, verse 1 of Genesis. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And just a side note, a lot of time when we see in Genesis where, where God is used like this, it's referring to God the Father. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we have this picture in creation, right? You see God starting to, to plan out this creation, and then we see the Spirit ready to go too hovering over the waters, but then we're like, wait a second, where's Jesus? Which is a good question to ask. So now flip over to John chapter 1, uh, way to the right in your Bible. We're starting in verse 1 there as well. All right, John 1, and it's really cool. What John does here as a writer is he uses some of the same verbiage and the same style of writing as we see in Genesis 1.1, and he does it to make a point. So he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now jump over to verse 14. Then the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we get this picture at the start of John that says, in the beginning was the Word. Instead of like, in the beginning there was God, but it says the Word was God and was with God in the beginning, that everything was made through the Word of God. And when it talks about the Word of God, this is like the very words that God speaks. 
But then we see something very interesting in verse 14. It says, Then the Word put on flesh and dwelt among us. And so this is where the very typical Sunday school answer comes into play. So who is this Word that put on flesh? Jesus. There we go. Sunday school answer. Um, So the very words that God spoke, it says that that God's own word put on flesh, became a man and came and hung out in the neighborhood, as one translation says, right? So that Jesus, God's words, were in the beginning with God. um, And that then those same words that John uses this picture, when Jesus steps onto this planet, Um, that says that all of a sudden there's like a new beginning, that the words of God are once again in the creation of something new. So even in the beginning of all creation, we see God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit represented. There's an author and pastor named Tim Keller that um, talks about the Trinity and um, says the Trinity is in a constant state of glorifying um, each other right? Each person within this Trinity being of God. Does that make sense? Glorifying each other. So to glorify someone, because that's not a word that we use too often, to glorify someone means to unconditionally serve them, not because we're getting anything out of it, just because of our love and appreciation for who they truly are. So as God serves and loves um, himself, so Jesus loving the Father, the Father loving the Spirit, the Spirit loving Jesus, all of it isn't so that they get the spotlight. It's to put each other in the spotlight. Can you think of like a relationship or a friendship you have where it's completely 100% of the time you are serving them and they are serving you without you both like expecting anything in return? I wish I could think of a relationship like that, right? Like even with my own wife, I, I wish that I was that way with her. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not. Because um, in a world where people's default mode is that we think a lot of the time the world revolves around us or that people even orbit around us. Like when I'm driving, for whatever reason, when I've got to get somewhere and some guy like changes lanes when I feel like he doesn't have to, I'm like, what the heck are you doing, dude? Do you know where I'm going? Like, I've got to get there. When someone swerves in front of me, like when someone's going slower than I want, it all revolves around me. I'm not looking to serve the other drivers on the road and be like, oh, no, 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 you go ahead. And yeah, like, I'll get out of your way. No, I'm thinking about where I need to go, where I need to be. But the Trinity, God, is utterly different than us. Because instead of self-centeredness, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit choose to mutually give um, the others um, love by revolving themselves and centering themselves around each other. Uh, Tim Keller also compares it to like this dance, right? Where it's not just like God's always dancing all the time, all three of them. Um, But in a dance, there's almost always just a partner, right? And the guy usually is going to be the lead in that dance. But if there's three people involved, who's leading, right? And if all are seeking to serve each other and follow each other, that's for us impossible because someone has to lead. But with God, it is possible that this dance has always been going on of always serving each other. No one's leading the other. They're always setting the other up 
to succeed, to be in the light, to serve them with love, to glorify them. We see this at Jesus' baptism when we were going through Mark. If you remember that really early on in chapter 1, Jesus is going to be baptized. The sky splits open. God the Father comes down, calls down from heaven and says, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. The Spirit of the Lord comes down and rests on Jesus in that. And later we end up hearing Jesus say that I'm here to glorify my Father. I'm about my Father's business that continually in their relationship, they're always, I can't stress it enough, they are always perfectly serving one another. So, in light of that, in your small groups now, talk about that third question that's on your sheet, then we'll come back together. All right. So as we bring it back up... um, So we've talked about this relationship that God has with himself, but it's not like that um, each role or each each person of God is is the exact same as one another. Like this is one of the crazy things about the Trinity is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all have unique different roles that they play um, as they together make up God, right? As we talked about um, a little bit ago, where it's like each one is like made known um, and makes known who God is in these different roles. Um, So uh, one of the things I want to make sure that we know, because I remember when I was in high school, when I even just saying the Holy Spirit, it sounds like the force, right? From Star Wars or something like that. It sounds like an it. Sounds like something that we tap into or some sort of like power or force um, because there's just this like, um, what was the word you used, Andrew, in describing the Holy Spirit? Yeah, like aura or something or ethereal, ethereal, like like source or being or something like that where the Holy Spirit is totally a person um, with inside. He's just as much a person uh, and whether he's a he or not, I don't know, as God the Father, God the Son, and, uh, and the others, right? Um, and, and so he's totally a person, not an it. So thinking about some of that, move on to that fourth question in your groups now and discuss that for a little bit, and then we'll come back together again. I just want to say, too, like this stuff is really heady and like hard. Um, and if you're feeling some of that, that's totally okay. And I apologize in the sense of like, like with school and with all that stuff, it feels more like my brain can't handle this. Um, but it's also stuff that is so good and it takes a long time to continue to grow um, in, in knowing it um, and in knowing how to, to interact with the Holy Spirit and, and even learning through scripture, through talking with other people, through reading, like what does this all mean for me? Um, and we'll see that in the following weeks. We're almost done. Just hang in there, and we'll have a little bit more time in our small groups, and then we're going to dive in for some worship with the middle schoolers as well. So talked about roles, like in your small groups, of maybe what you think the Holy Spirit has, and we don't have time to talk about the Father and the Son as well, but I'm just kind of going to kind of blast through some and like where these roles are indicated um, in Scripture, and you don't have to turn there or anything like that. just want you to hear some of the things um, that the Holy Spirit does for us and in us. So in Romans 8, it talks about how the Spirit sets us free from sin that we can't get rid of on our own. That's one of his roles. Further along in chapter 8, 
um, it says that the Spirit reminds us that we are children of God. In John 14, it says, um, or, or we learn that the Holy Spirit is a counselor to us. Jesus says um, that uh, I may go so that a counselor may come. And if we think about a counselor, that's, that's someone who, who's guiding us in the right direction. We also learn in, in that same section that the Holy Spirit is one that points us back to Jesus, too. When we're straying, when we're, when we're going to our left or to our right away from Jesus, he points us back and it's almost, like, almost like a lighthouse beam that goes right back onto Jesus to remind us where we're supposed to be heading. Uh, in John 16, um, the Holy Spirit reminds us of, of what Jesus taught, um, his teachings, and also convicts us of our sin, too. Like when we're straying from the truth, when we're going back to our old ways or the ways that aren't of God, the Holy Spirit's the one that cries out like within us and says like, no. And maybe you've felt that before. Maybe you've felt that like, no, like Jesus, remember Jesus. Like don't go to whatever that thing may be. Like turn to God instead. In Romans 15, it talks about how the Holy Spirit fills us with joy and with peace. And there's so many more things that I could list and go on about that are riddled all through, especially the New Testament and in the Psalms um, as it talks about the Holy Spirit. But a lot of that and those roles Andrew's going to dive into in two weeks of like how do those take place in our day-to-day life and, and what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit in high school too? Because I think that's a good question since you guys are all high schoolers. Like what does this look like as I'm walking through the halls of Camus? like having the Holy Spirit, to have this counselor, um, to have, have this one that's going to point me back to Jesus. How do I do this on my basketball team? Like, what does that mean? Is he going to dribble for me? No, probably not. Um, but like, what, what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit? But what I want to leave us with, right, and what I want you to hang on to is ultimately the Spirit invites us into the perfect relationship that God has within himself. Right? When God was in the beginning, before anything was created, God was perfectly joyful, perfectly happy, perfectly content, always in perfect love with himself. And what's crazy is he didn't need anything. He didn't need to create from there. I can't even think about like more than a minute where I was perfectly happy, perfectly content, perfectly filled with peace and joy. And God had that for all time and always has that as well. But God chose to create. And one of the craziest acts of love that God ever did is that he created us to get to enter that relationship with him. That we were created. If you're ever wondering, like, why am I on this earth? Like, what's my purpose? What's my life supposed to be about? You were created to be in God's perfect relationship. And that's why when we go through crap in relationships, when we feel alone, when we feel like an outcast, it's so wrong because we weren't created for that. That was never God's intention. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all about inviting us into this intense, deep love relationship with God. And I'll end with something that Jesus said in John um, chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He knows that um, he's about to go to the cross, and this is one of their last like big conversations that they have to, together. And he says to them in verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. 
Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. As I follow Jesus, and I want my life to look more like Christ, sometimes I think it would be a lot easier if physical Jesus was right in front of me and I just get to copy and mimic what he did, right? That sounds easy. Or just get to hold Jesus' hand and like walk along like through life. But Jesus tells his disciples, it's actually better that I go away, that physical me goes away so that the Holy Spirit, the counselor, may come and he be the one that's with you now. If Jesus says, it's better that I go away and that the Spirit's so awesome that it's better that he's with you now, we need to learn more about who this Holy Spirit is because Jesus is pretty stinking cool. Jesus is pretty stinking awesome. And, and if he says, if he says, no, I'm going to glorify the Holy Spirit, he's the one that's good for you, God in you, um, is, is better for you. Uh, that's why we're talking about this tonight. That's why we're talking about it next week. And, and Mickey's going to share with us next week, like, how did this come about? Like, how does this story take place where we find out that the Holy Spirit is the one that's better for us? Um, if you ever are interested in diving into some of this more, because it is heady stuff, there's a really good book uh, by a guy named Francis Chan called Forgotten God. Uh, and the whole premise of it is that like, we hear about God the Father and God the Son a lot, but a lot of the time the Holy Spirit kind of gets the back seat. And this book kind of dives into what is it, who is he way deeper than I did? What does relationship with him look like? And then um, what are some of, like Andrew's going to get into, what are some of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit? Like what does he add to our life? So if you want to know where to get that, I mean Barnes & Noble or online, it's going to be pretty cheap. It's a couple years old. But I really encourage you, if you're a reader or not, to check that out. So we're going to end our time in our small groups. Um, we got about like 12 minutes before we need to head in with the middle schoolers uh, for, some, uh, for some worship. And part of this, too, is cool because we're going to be in a tight, like closed space um, together instead of out here where it's big. Um, so hit a couple of those last questions. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you have questions after youth group, too, I would love to talk with you more. Your staff members would love to talk with you, too. Talk more in your small groups.